Hi everyone. Welcome to Upstart Live with Payu. Upstart Live is a podcast series featuring entrepreneurs and thought leaders from across various sectors in the Indian startup ecosystem. So if you're looking to grow your business or just a proud enthusiast of India's growing startup economy, this is the right series for you. I'm your host for the session today. My name is Mansa Pandit. I'm a part of the marketing team at Payu India. We have Yudi with us. Growth hacking is dead. The topic is pretty self-explanatory, right? Uh, but what I definitely want to clear out from the beginning is growth isn't right. Growth hacking is definitely dead, but there's no killing growth, right? Growth is basically oxygen for startups, and you can't really kill growth. The the way you kind of get growth, though, that is definitely not hacking. This is my perspective around why this is there. I started my growth journey about eight years ago. and i had the privilege or i was lucky i would say i was a person who could also build and sell so i started off in a very traditional company by the way and i was doing the side hustle where i was creating these web apps and mobile apps nothing too fancy i wasn't like a crazy developer and that's when my first taste for growth came long before growth was considered cool then after that i went for a year in san francisco and i was consulting various startup you know from series a series b uh, they were health tech fintech two of them are now unicorns by the way post that i was the first growth pm at sukrati sukrati is the largest ad agency in india they had their own product and my job essentially to be very honest was hey this is a sales team of nine people how can we completely eradicate that and have a self serve auto engine of acquisition for us right secondly uh, my latest stint has been at Razorpay I was the first growth product manager there I've been able to build a full stack growth team there and more about that later and I'm also the co-founder at Growthex but what's that so Growthex essentially uh, it's a growth university for the future right Abhishek and I have both started Growthex we have the top folks in cred udan kotak google oyo you name it you got it if it's in the indian ecosystem they are part of growthx right essentially folks come here to accelerate either their career or their companies and we are basically on a mission to create growth teams but with the right approach towards product growth you can learn more about it on growthx.club but let's move on what stage is your startup in right so growth obviously depends very differs from product market fit to early scaling to mature scaling i just want one word answers on are you finding product market fit are you in your early scaling stage or are you in your mature scaling stage so finding product market fit means hey you're acquiring customers but you don't have a lot of good retention early scaling is essentially you have decent retention and now you're like you know doubling down on that acquisition channel right and mature scaling is you're a market leader you know and you're now trying to play certain segments of the market that you don't have complete dominance over hopefully by the end of the session we gets a like a decent understanding of you know growth teams and we can set them up properly we're going to talk about growth hacking why the beep is it so popular second why should we move away from hacking what's my case and why do i think that we should move away from growth hacking third is building a growth team cool all right so let's talk about growth hacking why is it so popular so the most popular growth hacks so why did growth hacks become popular in the first place we all remember hotmail right the email giant that got bought from uh, microsoft and they had a simple growth hack one employee decided that in every email signature they would put i love you get your free email at hotmail 
and the hotmail wall part it was hyperlinked and you would just go and sign up this simple hack for hotmail didn't get them 1000 users or 10000 users right they got a whopping 12 million users total out of which a massive 2.5 million came from that signature let me repeat 2.5 million users came from a email signature back when the entire internet had 70 million users imagine you launch something and 1/6 of the entire internet population is yours because of something that you launched incredible right let's talk about something else let's talk about airbnb and craigslist for folks who don't know when airbnb launched it was super small craigslist is basically an online place for listing everything from services uh, to like it's like a urban clap plus like a renting portal that facebook groups has today everything right and it was very popular it was a large player so what airbnb's engineers figured out is without the use of any api they can actually post on craigslist through airbnb so every time you came on airbnb and posted something you also had the opportunity to post on craigslist directly right and this was without any api they just figured out a url that they could exploit post on craigslist you would put in all your details and by the next step everything is posted on craigslist as well so this simple hack also got them a lot of users why should we move away from hacking now these are great examples judy can you teach us more on you know hacking why are we moving away from 12 million users what the hell is going on these hacks will not work for you me and that's because of a lot of reasons first of all the hacks tips tricks gyan on the internet is very attractive for two reasons one is that it makes us feel good but at the end of the day it's not very useful for example if you've ever tried to lose weight one of things you know are not going to help you lose weight just by skipping one meal you need to do it day in day out you need to have a plan you need to have the right diet you need to have the right exercise and all of those things to actually lose weight and for me hacks are like potato chips they make you feel good and full but makes you feel horrible later it is a big guilt trip right that's what hacks are for me hacks by definition are short term in nature if you get a hack even these hacks that i spoke about right they didn't last forever they're very short term in nature your business is not going to grow by short term stuff right it's only going to get you make you feel good about that week in work or that month in work you really want to push your company ahead you need to stay away from hacks second they don't have the same effect when repeated most of these hacks you can't really repeat them like for example the signature has been used by multiple tools now right we see the signatures sent via superhuman and sent via these now they don't work at the same level they did the first time so this one off cases thirdly hacks are nutritious i just said they like potato chips potato chips will make me feel good it's not nutritious at all it will not give me any nutrition your company needs nutrition and worst is these hacks are the rarest of moonshots they are one in a million if you are putting all your eggs in the basket about growing your company about one in a million all the best you probably will be successful or 99.99% you won't how to look at growth then first of all you need to adopt an org wide growth strategy instead right that's first thing you want to move away from hacks and before i talk about what growth is i want to talk about the biggest myth in startups about growth is essentially a lone wolf 
aka a growth hacker will you know come in abracadabra your startup is scaled your startup is like done you know you're, you're growing like crazy now that's just never going to happen and this is what i see today in general founders instead of trying to get to product market fit they're looking at growth hackers because they're like magically going to solve all the problems right investor problems employee problems everything i get traction i get everything and there are a lot of growth hackers today self branded growth gurus and hackers on online and like hey hire me i'm a growth hacker here's what's going to happen you hire them they'll say that hey all your dreams are going to come true and you're going to be like okay done shut up and take my money you know let's do this after a month or so this is basically you looking at the dashboards hey hold on a second i don't see any growth you're going to be this woman and you can't see anything stay away from this this is my honest opinion in whatever 8 9 years of experience that i've had stop looking for a superhero to solve growth and it's probably not even hackers fault in general you can't have one single person to solve growth why let's take a sneak peek into what real growth is right let's talk about product and growth what all are the different things that drive growth in a company and this is what growth is so shipping a product there are four things in shipping a product understanding the pain point you're validating the scale of that problem then finding out the solutioning you're building an mvp and then you're repeating right that's how you ship a product the second step you do is you find product market fit right you launch the product you get feedback you reiterate launch until you have a strong word of mouth or you have a flattened retention curve once you have product market fit product and growth levers are these right what is growing the product mean it means growing revenue growing revenue is a function of two things number of paying customers and lifetime value per user your number of paying customers is essentially coming from total users and percentages of those users becoming paid customers total users is a function of new users existing and churned your new users are going to come from two things one is acquiring new users and making sure that you onboard them acquisition is going to come about from deep diving into channels right you're going to look at organic content referral ads product hooks you're going to have a decision framework around how do i scale this channel on the basis of cost effort or the time that it's going to take impact and flexibility you know then onboard your users first you're going to understand the intent you're going to create the onboarding energy and you're going to making sure that they hit that aha moment third for existing users the ones that are already with you you're going to engage your new customers first the new customers that have just come in you're not going to treat your old customers and your new customers the same way so for your new customers you're going to onboard them in its very different way and you're going to also treat that churn in a very different way engaging old customers is all about customer segmentation how you're going to segment them according to your persona the demographics what's their job to be done what are the use cases how frequent are those use cases do they have awareness about your product and external nudges essentially these are the levers for engaging older cohorts and for churned users first of all you need to define what your retention metric is and then the most important part you're going to jump into the why of a user churn you want to solve for the why the why is going to be solved either by product improvement service improvement you're going to fix for perceived value you're going to fix for top of the mind awareness sometimes some apps are great but i just use them once and i forget about them you're going to have solve for organic triggers you're going to solve for past actions you're going to understand their persona and then you're going to reach out to them with either a pitch or copy and design and the right channel 
Let's talk about lifetime value of a customer. It's a function of two things. What's the average order value and what are the number of orders per user? The average order value is going to come from the use case, which is either a primary or an infrequent one, trust on the platform, product discovery, recommendations. Do you think this is a function of growth hacking? This is how a company grows. These are the different levers that you have. It's not a one person's job and nor is it going to be found by hacking. The point that I was trying to make is this is essentially growth. This is product and growth. And when you have a systematic approach and a structured way to solve for this in your company and only and only then are you going to grow. It's not going to come by putting a banner up or a pop-up up and getting some leads in, right? It's just not possible. You're just going to dig your own grave. And I want to talk very simply about building a growth team because as you can see, the Different things across acquisition, onboarding, engagement, retention, monetization is so large that you can't do it via hacking. And that's why hacking is dead. So you don't need a hacker. You need a growth team. Growth team essentially is what? Essentially growth team, a typical growth team can be different, but this is prima prima what I have seen the core pillars of a growth team being. Number one, it's the product manager or the growth lead. Right? They're the people who will be, and I'll, we'll go deep diving into each person, by the way, and talk about them. Then you have a T-shaped marketer. You have an engineer. You have a full stack engineer. You have a designer and product analyst. In my experience, every single growth team I've had needs these five pillars. And more so, you need to add and remove people according to your industry. Now, what does that mean? If I'm in a growth team at Dunzo, growth is actually going to be the delivery experience, meaning how fast I'm getting the delivery and not more so on the app. The app is one part of it. If I have the best experience on the app, but nothing is getting really shipped to me, it's going to be bad. So operations, your head of operations or your operations head has to be part of the growth team. And that's essentially how it is. If you're part of Uber and you need to have your supply, the demand supply team with you. If you are in a compliance heavily regulated area, you need to have that team in your growth team. But let's talk about the five pillars. So PM and growth lead. The main job is prioritization of the growth roadmap. Out of all the things that we need to do, what are we going to prioritize? How are they going to keep the team and everyone across the company in sync with what we are doing? Right. Second, they understand the different tech stacks and how they work. I don't mean to say that the product manager or the growth lead should be able to code in React or Angular or Svelte or any of those languages, but they need to understand what tech stacks you use. What are the nuances of them? Third, they're highly data driven, but this is very critical. They're not obsessed with data. You need a certain amount of judgment to be taken in the growth team when 99% of your decisions definitely on data, but you're not obsessed with it. Unless it's qualitatively backed by your users, you're always re-researching. I don't mean, uh, okay, uh, he's not obsessed. Okay, great. This gives me all the freedom to go in and take decisions because of my gut. No, not your gut. Talking to your users qualitatively is what I mean. Third, they always question the why. Why are we doing this this week? Why are we doing this today? Keeping the team intact. They define the process in the team, obviously. Thirdly, they have some prior product experience. I feel like in today, most of the product companies, especially if you have prior product experience, it definitely helps to be a growth person. And lastly, this is something that I have been able to do a lot and I've seen all the time. If you don't have a growth lead already today in your companies, and I mean massively helps to have an existing member of the team or company come in. And lastly, growth is going to step into 
the products territory, marketing territory, you need to have excellent stakeholder management. T-shaped marketer, they own essentially the go-to market strategy for you. They are a generalist. They have at least one proficiency in a singular channel. Now that singular channel needs to be very critical to your business. If I am, let's say, clear tax, my critical channel is SEO for me. So I'm going to have that kind of a marketer come in. Second, they're the biggest customer champion in the room. They understand, they empathize with them the best, right? And they know how to tell a story. I mean, you're a marketer. doesn't matter if you're a growth marketer, content marketer, any marketer needs to tell a story. Highly data-driven and it's excellent if they can query their own data. So they're just self-reliant. Um, and they do all the stakeholder management from a business point of view, right? All the business stakeholders that you have, maybe performance, maybe organic, they do stakeholder management there. Third is product designer. Now they own the entire user flow of your experiment, your smaller features, your growth hooks. The qualities that you're looking for is 70% product designer and 30% visual. They should be able to crack up something small and quick if need be. They own all, they are the owner of all the qualitative insights that you'll get from customer calls. They are always obviously questioning the why and they work with the tech team and they make sure that when something is getting pushed out, the entire UAT is done end to end. Let's talk about engineer very quickly. You want to look at a full stack engineer. Now, full stack engineers are also unicorns, by the way. According to me, full stack engineers only exist in pockets. So if you don't get one, just hire two engineers. It always makes sense. Otherwise, you're going to have a very one-sided full stack engineer, right? So I, you need either a, in, in front end, you need some kind of a framework because most of the products are built that way. And you want to have a front end engineer who demands tracking across all user points. You don't need them. You don't need a marketer to tell them, hey, we need to track this, right? You need a very different kind of engineer who's very aligned to business. Second, backend, essentially what you're trying to do is two qualities, right? I'm not going to go into the coding bit, but the most important bit over here is that they're not afraid to lose their code. A lot of backend engineers are too sensitive about, oh, I've built this, but it didn't go live or we are now moving on. So you need to make sure that they're the folks who don't really care about losing code. They're essentially also the folks who are not shy in using third-party tools to ship fast and then build later. And product analyst extremely critical. This is my first person who I kind of get into the growth team. They all the instrumentation, meaning all the tracking data points, right? They understand the pulse of the product, every single thing where what is happening. First thing that the product analyst in my team does is automates all dashboards for every single team member, for the engineers, for the designer, for the marketer, so that then they are not becoming a query puller. They own the growth modeling and they make simple to complex model work, right? We spoke about growth hacking. We understood why should we move away from hacking? Because it's a moonshot thing, folks. Obsessing over it even a little bit is very wrong. It's like cheat day. You can have a cheat day, but you can't just have one day where you're eating good food. Second is how do you look at growth? We looked at everything from onboarding, acquisition, engagement, retention, monetization. And you need a team, a growth team that will prioritize across the several growth levers to actually build growth. PayU presents Upstart Live. Upstart Live is a podcast series featuring entrepreneurs and thought leaders from across various sectors in the Indian startup ecosystem. Okay, so one of the questions we have already got is, can does growth hacking need a lot of patience? Growth definitely needs patience. Hacking doesn't, right? You just put something, you, you Google top growth hacks, you get 10 copy-paste answers around pop-ups and banners, and that's how to do But Growth hacking doesn't need patience and that's why we do it. We like things fast and easy. 
So this is something I see a lot, right? Uh, not as something to call anybody out, but we see a lot of people post saying that they are growth hackers, they are growth hackers. So do they just about find the shortcuts to growth or do they do anything more? I wouldn't comment about what everyone is doing on LinkedIn, but what I've seen my experience with growth hacking is that that term, right? When you associate yourself, your company's growth with hacking, you're essentially putting yourself in the same bucket as saying, I'm going to do short term things to acquire users, not even users actually, acquire some leads even. If you understand your company's growth, like remember the entire framework that we looked at, you cannot drive your company's growth through pop-ups and leads. So if someone is promising to hack themselves to growth, then good for them. But in my experience, if you look at the entire plethora of stuff and levers that are needed in product and growth, it's just not possible. You need to build a team. You don't need to have a team from day one, but you need to have a team, at least set it up and get it the team running in the next six to 12 months, right? So Akansha asks, uh, too many marketing gimmicks irritate our customers. So what is the right amount of marketing? The job of marketing, for at least for me, uh, right, is to storytell what value it drives to your customers. Meaning, what's the job to be done for your customer? and how your product kind of delivers on that promise. It's a craft of storytelling. When you say too many gimmicks are, marketing gimmicks are irritating our customers, that means you are essentially communicating in a singular pitch all the time in the same way. Let me talk about like an annoying friend or an annoying ex-girlfriend or a boyfriend that we had. Remember those folks who would just keep irritating and annoying us, the same message again and again. You hate them. Maybe you're sounding like that. So you need to figure out, you need to take a step back. You need to figure out what your customers really want. If they're even your ideal customers and then communicate in a healthy manner to un- make them understand the value prop of your car. This thing, right? Asli asks, I have a mobile app soon to be live. Mm-hmm. There are like so many things to do in terms of growth, how to prioritize, how early I should structure the overall growth strategy in every subsection of growth. She asked how to prioritize and how early should she structure the overall growth yeah. strategy in every subsection. So I think prioritization is a daily problem, uh, Asli. So you said that you have a mobile app soon to be live, right? And there are so many things to do in terms of growth. If I'm, if my assumption is right, if you're just about to launch right now, three things I would focus on are number one, Making sure if let's say you get thousand app installs and thousand using logins, let's say, for example, you're talking to at least hundred of the people who are installing your app, understanding what their experience is, if what the promise of your product is, and is it delivering that? I am not going to focus on growth at all at this point, to be honest with you. Uh, it's like meeting someone and saying, let's get married. You don't want to do that, right? Uh, you want to understand them. You want to get to know them. That's what's happening with your product. You're making sure before you scale, you want to make sure that all the things are well, your product is delivering value. Once you have product market fit, Asli, then in that case, let's assume that question, you would have at least some instances of prioritization. But the way I look at prioritization is this, okay? My simple framework is for this quarter, what is the one or two things that's going to give me 80% of result? And I'm always going to prioritize that. So we have a question. Uh, Can you set targets for your growth team? Mm-hmm. If you can, then how? I am assuming uh, you are part of the growth team. So I think the first thing to do there, right? One is threefold approach. Number one, understand what your number one 
North Star metric of your company is, right? Take a step in your CEO's shoes and see what is the burning issue there. From that part, try to understand internally what is the growth team can affect there, right? Now, in that place or in that lever, let's say you want to get more orders this month and there is a part of ownership that the growth team owns that can affect this in a massive way. If this is not set in the growth team starter, you can make a builder case with that North Star metric in place, right? The way I always approach around targets and if the question is more so around if my targets are too big, how can I lower them? Then you need to basically essentially show where you were, what you're doing, what are the different things you're going to do and where you're going to lead to. Your targets might not change, but you, at least the intimation that, hey, this is where I'm projecting to go, right? And every single week, let's have a sync up tell you what all I'm doing and where all we are reaching, right? That typically helps a lot with stakeholders in my experience. Why we ask in a SaaS B2B product, we are looking at a conversion of visiting the website and then requesting for a product demo. People do visit the web page, but it is getting very difficult to get them to register for the demo. Any suggestions? This problem statement, right, uh, is essentially, hey, I have three things to look at. Number one, visitors to demo visit conversion is dropping. How do I increase it? That's the problem statement. So the three things you want to look at. Number one, if it's dropping, right? Or if it's getting hard, let me assume it's dropping. First of all, you look at the users that are coming through. Has the channels in which you're acquiring users changed? The first thing that I would look at. If that's changed, then you'll want to deep dive into that. Second, is there any specific campaigns that you were running before and now? That you're not running third i try to understand if there is any seasonality based in my product like a lot of times in b2b cases there are seasonal products like for example payroll software you'll probably only upgrade once in every year right and that's the season time when you'll have a lot of demos in now if all of these are still same then and only then would i go into solutioning and the way i would solution this is very simple i will talk to all the people who took the demo and when they took the demo, I'll speak to them. Once I speak to them, I'll try to understand what are the best parts about the demo that they like. Once I have established that, what I'll try to do is I'll make sure how I can modularize the demo and show it to my website visitors before, you know, them even asking for it. Because these are all the good things that the demo has been able to provide. Essentially, the framework I'm trying to use is what's worked before. Can I modularize that? And can I give that value prop sooner rather than later? Now, this can also mean removing the form fields. This can mean multiple things, right? But first, start with why this is happening. Yes. So, Amin asks, what would you say is the role of creativity in driving growth? The role of creativity in, in everything that we do. I think we need to be creative while cooking. We need to be creative while working. Uh, the role of creativity is massive, man, and growth. In general, I, I think it's a very broad question. But I would, let me give you an example about creativity and growth, right? Most of the times growth is looked at from a point of view that, hey, the growth lead will make all the experiments and give all the ideas. The fundamental thing that you want to move away uh, from all the growth teams that I've been part of, I make sure that my ideas are only 1% and my engineers, designers, marketers, support, everyone in the team are giving 99% of the idea. So creativity really thrives in a group. So uh, Sekata's house growth hacking different from digital marketing? First of all, growth hacking is different from everything. It's just short-term copy-paste stuff that you'll do from Google. But let's assume you asked about growth marketing and digital marketing. Fundamentally, digital marketing is a larger subset of everything today that we do online. 
all the marketing that we do is digital today. So your event marketing, everything comes under digital. But pure play digital in today's terms is now becoming SEO, paid, social media. These primarily focus or, or have levers or have the ownership per se to acquire users and to maximum convert them on the landing page. That's where the job ends. Growth marketing, however, looks at the user from the beginning. Their goals are not towards to acquire users. Their goals are towards revenue or their goals are towards active users. What that means is you need to acquire onboard them, they need to engage them properly, and then they need to retain them as well. So it's entirely the entire spectrum of growth. So uh, Rajneesh asked, what would be the best approach to design KPI for the growth team? Do you have some framework for that too? Three things that I do. First of all, especially in your own company, what I would do is I would try to understand the background of where the company wants to grow in the next two to three years. Fundamentally, for the, take a step back for these things to happen, okay? Don't think about your role. Don't think about anything. Just try to think about if we need to go from X to Y, what are the different things that need to happen futuristically, not, not happening today? Operational problems, team stakeholder problems are not it. Step away from those. I then list down all the high level problem statements that are going to come or challenges if solved will help us get to here. Out of those problems then, what I do is I try to see what are the parts that are not completely owned by a singular team. This is better if you're in a larger company because everyone already has ownership. Everyone already has some part that they're owning. You don't want to step into too many toes too often. What I do is I try to see a white space that is important and that's also untouched. If you're in a very new company, I say less than 50 people, then it's even better, right? Because there are so many problem statements that are unsolved. I choose a medium to large problem statement. After I have that, then what I do is I create an entire document of a year and a half long roadmap of what I would solve for. This is very important. If you can't think of a year and a half roadmap, don't think of starting a growth team. Once you have that in, then you need, okay, this is how, what will happen in the 30, 60, 90 days. If we are successful, we hire this. If we are successful, we hire this. That's how I plan out my growth team in a new company. So uh, Kamalika asks, brand building versus growth hacking. Which one would you choose for your new startup and why? First of all, at each stage of your company, you need different growth levers. In the initial days, it's all about product market fit and product has a lot more involvement. When you've just launched in the first year, product has a lot more influence on what's going to happen. There, product is the biggest lever for growth. Second stage is your early scaling stage. Now, that's the time when all the growth stuff is very valuable, very helpful. It's the biggest driver of growth. You'll also have brand, but brand will be at least 30% of a growth lever, 70% will be all the stuff that you will do around making sure all the features that you have are being adopted by your audience, right? And the third stage, the mature scaling stage, something like a Netflix, right? There, the biggest advantage is of brand building. There, the priority is brand. So at every single stage, I will still focus on brand, but in that percentage, lowest during the beginning on purely brand marketing. How to grow hack while maintaining price point? So pricing is part of monetization and uh, when you're thinking of growth, growth definitely has monetization in it, right? Let me ask a question. Pre-COVID, if you were living in, let's say, a Bangalore, while going to your office, you're not going to think twice before booking an Ola, normal Ola, no share, right? Because you need to get there fast. It's 140 rupees, but it's worth it. When you're coming back, you'll rather take a Uber Ola share. Now that's called perceived value. The perceived value of your product. 
So it's a large topic in itself, but growth definitely has a lot of influence in monetization. Thank you so much, uh, Yudi. I think this was one of the best conversations we have had in a while on Upstart uh, Live here. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Payu presents Upstart Live. Upstart Live is a podcast series featuring entrepreneurs and thought leaders from across various sectors in the Indian startup ecosystem. Thank you all for tuning in today. This has been a wonderful session. To understand more about the fintech world or just pay you in general, follow us on our social channels. We are across all platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Meanwhile, do share suggestions on what topics you want us to address in our next session on our social channels. Also, please feel free to check out our podcast in this series. See you soon. Till then, grow more, do more and be more. Thank you.